Well, good morning, church. How are y'all this morning? I know it's rainy outside, but I think the joy of the Lord is with us today. So would you all stand up, greet some people around you, and then we will begin to worship together.
by the one because that's where the, uh, the kids are, by the playground, and back there we have a men's group that meets, American Heritage Girls does stuff back there, and there's just ministry happening in, in both of those areas. But, but even more important than that is, to me, the families and, and the heritage that brought it. James and Ada Lay, for those that don't know, I think in this group a lot of people do know them, um, or knew them, that my first week here he had a little notebook, he was a greeter. And he wrote down our names, my wife's and my name, so that he'd remember it. He did that for everybody, and he'd study them during the week so that he would know your name. So that when I came back the next week, he said, hello, Dennis. And, and that meant a lot. And, you know, another great memory I had with him and, and Ada, like I took them to the senior saints to the lunch at the Jones. I drove the van because who wouldn't go to the lunch at the Jones' house? Um, and they talked about World War II and what they did there. And I was just amazed. And, and at their love story, all the marriage events, you knew when they came, you weren't winning the longest marriage stuff, right? You know, because they were just married for so long. And, uh, and the other great memory that my wife told me about was she was eight months pregnant at a women's retreat and, um, in the late 90s. So Miss Ada, I'm horrible with ages, so I don't want to say it, but was up there and she beat her in Twister. Right, so I would have loved to have seen the 80-year-old against the pregnant lady. So while I was disappointed in my wife, um, I just think, hey, she'd do anything with anybody. And, uh, and that's just, just showed their love for each other and their love for the church. Um, and then they gave the money so that their legacy can continue on. And, and Gail and Beulah Wiley, I don't know them. I didn't know them, but you just see the family and the generations coming down. James Ray was the first person to affectionately call me Yankee when I moved here from Maryland. Um, and we got to watch, uh, you know, our kids grow up together. He coached my son, and now, you know, their grandkids, you know, are, are here. Um, so it's just an amazing family. And Tim, Connor, and Parker um, just got baptized in July here, just as far as, like, legacy going down. And I know Kyle is a minister, just and awesome, you can tell, these people just didn't come to church once, right? Like they had a love for the church, but more importantly than a love for Shelby Christian, it was a love for Jesus that they passed on, right? So I know there's some of the Wiley family here and some of the Lay family here. So if we could, could you guys stand up and we just give you a round of applause for the legacy that they have. Thank you guys for being here today. And like I said, and as much as, as we love James and Ada and, and the, the Wileys and, you know, they love the church, Jesus loves us more. Jesus loves each and every one of you guys so much that he came down and died for you. What more could he have done than what he did? Let's pray. Dear Father, we just thank you for this day. I thank you for James and Ada. I thank you for Gail and Beulah. I thank you for each and every one of their family that got to know them. More importantly, because of them, got to know you.
got to know your love. And I pray that everybody in here can feel your love. Your love that said, I will give everything for them. Even though we don't deserve it, you did it for us. Thank you. Amen.
church up and grab a seat. that you guys are with us today and I was just in the back and, and uh, looking at the pictures and listening to Dennis talk about uh, James and Ada and Gail and Beulah uh, and just thinking of my memories of 34 years uh, of that and uh, so for Jim and Francis and Gail and just uh, the friendship that we've had uh, that not only through Christ but for us through baseball uh, connected us in a huge huge way and uh, and the thing that I will always always remember about your mom is the way she took care of Bobby and what a testament that that was uh, not only for you guys but for everyone who knew that situation and James and Ada James was one of the elders that hired me so for that uh, I will forever be grateful uh, like Dennis was talking about how he's just so diligent about keeping up with people but the memory I've got that I'm going to keep forever is just a few years ago of them on the motorcycle back there in the corner well into their 80s on a biker weekend and hopping on top uh, of a three-wheeler to get their picture taken and just their their energy and yeah I had heard the story about Twister I also know that she was in uh, down at a lot of stuff happens at Camp Calvary on women's retreats apparently that we don't always know about but that she was like in a nun's habit and a whoopee Goldberg like the choir from you know like just having fun and that's the things that I, that I remember the most. I'm glad you guys are here today here's the deal. Today especially and you're, you'll see it's going to be a little bit more of a, an audience participation day and, and so I, I need like when, when we're coaching a lot of times when we feel like that like players are tense and they're just not like ready to go like we'll even say come on just shake it out so, so right now maybe you just need to like do this a little bit and get a little bit loose and a little bit more comfortable and not quite as stiff because this today there, there might be some times today that you might need to like say amen, amen. <laughs> some of you are quick on the uptake uh, you know sometimes you might need to say that's right, that's right. Uh, somebody might need to stand up and say come on Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I always count on anybody that comes this close. They've got, they're a little bit different. And so I count on that a lot. So, you know, here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you're watching at home, you can participate in that too. You can just type it in the comment bar and do all those same things as well. We are in this, we are finishing up this series today that we've been calling Playground, which has been really cool. And I've had a lot of great comments about it from, from different folks because it reminded us of things that we learned on the playground when we were little kids just simple things that it does us well to be reminded of occasionally in life and so so today we just we're just going to do some of that stuff and, and so as, as you're like participating just remember that that one of the things that we learn on the playground is be nice so just remember that uh, as you participate today and i want to start <coughs> excuse me i want to start by talking about sharing 
sharing. I we learn it in kindergarten and on the playground, and we just—it's one of those early lessons that we learn that, that we talk about sharing with with our granddaughters now that are four and eleven months, and trying to convince the four-year-old that she needs to share with the eleven-month-old, and and those are just things that that are foundational, fundamental. Kim had an experience when she was in kindergarten. It, it's it's it, in fact I was talking to her about it this week. Trauma her until this day. And that's been several years ago, and we'll just leave it at that. But in kindergarten, she was in Miss Ivy's class. And Miss Ivy was this, just like, on one level, she was like this picture-perfect kindergarten teacher. She was a great teacher. She loved kids, but she was firm, and she was strict. And so she was perfect on that level, except this one day, Kim had some chewing gum, and she thought she was doing the right thing, and she decided to share chewing gum with her friend that was sitting next to her in the kindergarten room. And Miss Ivy saw that, and rather than saying, oh, way to go, Kim, that's awesome, her response was, do you have gum for everybody? Because if you don't have gum for everybody, you shouldn't share with anybody. And Kim is still traumatized by that today. But you know what? Sometimes life's just not fair. And so I just thought, well, I just want to share some this morning. And I didn't know what to share. I'm not a big gum person, but I I do, in fact, love Hershey's bars. Uh, that wouldn't surprise some of you, but I do, in fact, love Hershey's bars. I, I really like these Hershey's with almonds. And um, I just thought maybe that that I'd share some. Uh, Marcia, you like... I was just, of course not. You've, you've lost a person, all right? So for, forget that. Uh, Dave, can I share? In fact, I, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this wonderful for you. I mean, you and Kathy can share the Hershey's bar. Now, it's, it's all right. You figure out who gets the bigger piece. You know, I'm, some things in life you just got to kind of walk away from. But that's, that's on you. That's on you, bro. And I'll see. In fact, you might tell us later, and that can be a part of a marriage series that we do sometime. But, you know, I, I love those. I, I kind of love almonds. And love, but when it comes to Hershey's bars, really, if you're going to share, these are the ones to share. You guys know why, right? You, you, you know why? Because Hershey's takes care of it for you. I mean, it makes it nice and easy. <laughs> if you can open it, it makes it nice and easy. Um, but they're all divided in nice little squares and and so i just thought this is even better because i can just like break these off and i can share and my hands are so sanitized it it, it might not even taste like chocolate it may taste more like hand sanitizer there you go well played well played is that because you don't like chocolate or you're just winning the husband points okay well then there's your chocolate all right all right see this is so easy and look, do y'all get the same size? Yeah. Y'all got the same size. Look at that. I'm, she, I'm doing this very well. Doing this very well. And look here, I'm, I'm, I told the camera guy I wasn't coming too far back, but oh well. There you go. Look, I got to make sure I take care. 
And Hoss, I saved the last one for you, brother. There you go. Now, see, those are perfect. And, and I, now I know what some of you are already thinking, though. You're thinking you just talked about Miss Ivy, and if you don't have enough shit. Well, I, like, I've been telling you guys to sit down front for years. See what happens? Uh, I mean, so look, and, and just to make sure that we're all equal here, as you leave today in the white buckets, there are Hershey's Kisses for everyone. So there you go. Everybody gets chocolate. All right, I did. Thank you. I thought that, you know, come on, was coming there somewhere. Now, listen, that's somewhat silly. It's somewhat simple, but it's right to the point. God calls us to be good stewards, but he also calls us to treat people uh, the best we can. But guess what? Sometimes life just isn't fair. The Bentley's got almonds in theirs. One of them's going to get a bigger one than the other one. You guys got the really, I like, you know, Hershey's Kisses are all good and everything like that. So everybody gets some Hershey's Kisses. You get a kiss, you get a kiss. You know, I feel like Oprah. But, but I kind of like the bars even better. Life's just not fair sometimes, is it? Life doesn't seem fair no matter how hard we try. But, but you may not like it, but that's one of the most important lessons that we can learn in life and we can pass on to our kids. That life is not always fair. In fact, life is hard. Thank you. See, that, how, that, that worked better because y'all had done this and everybody's kind of awake and ready for something. I want you to think about the things in life right now that don't seem fair. I want you to think about the things in life that don't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair when that person that just joined the company a couple months ago got the promotion that you've been waiting for for years. That doesn't seem fair, does it? It doesn't seem fair that it, it rained on the day that you had a special cookout planned, or especially if you had an outdoor wedding and it rained on That doesn't seem fair. It, it, it doesn't seem fair when a, a young family of six, a mom and five kids, are hit head-on in the interstate by somebody driving the wrong way. That doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem fair when your stock portfolio crashes and you lose a bundle of retirement money. It doesn't seem fair when, on the way to church this morning, I get a call about a 43-year-old that died of a heart attack. Doesn't seem fair. Doesn't seem fair when someone got a hold of your social security number and stole your identity and emptied some accounts and ran up charges. Doesn't seem fair when kids get sick and get cancer and, and, and some of them die. It doesn't, it doesn't seem fair. Right now, right now I've got some ministry friends. Some guys in the ministry that are going through stuff, going through stuff with their family and trauma in the lives of their grown children. A lot of you guys know because we're so close that uh, Bob Russell's grandson, Charlie, is in ICU and really struggling with COVID. And I, of course, know Bob and Judy, but Rusty and Kelly, uh, his parents, and it doesn't seem right or fair. I got a friend, Dudley Rutherford, who preaches a huge church in Southern California, wonderful family. Family and his daughter Kayla, two weeks away from giving birth to a child, comes down with COVID and is in the hospital. And praise God, Friday the baby was born and everybody's healthy and it's wonderful. But but it was a struggle. I got a friend that I've gotten to know through the life of Zoom calls lately. His name's 
Bill. He, he ministers up in Illinois, and his 59-year-old daughter had been completely healthy, and not COVID, just, she just died, and they don't know why. And he's, he had to do her memorial service yesterday. That doesn't seem right, or it doesn't seem fair. My friend John that's been here and preached for us from California, next Saturday we'll be doing a memorial service, a citywide memorial service for his co-pastor who died on Friday. Life's not always fair. And so today we need to see what we can do about that. How do we deal with that? How do we learn those lessons of dealing with life when it's just not fair? If you got your Bibles this morning, I want you to open to the book of Matthew, to the gospel of Matthew. And we're going to look at a parable in Matthew chapter 20, a parable that Jesus told about some men who were hired to work in a vineyard. But I want to show you some stories from Matthew 19 that we won't take time to read, but you might just flip back a page to Matthew 19 and look at the beginning of Matthew 19. It's a whole teaching that Jesus does on divorce. And it seems so unfair sometimes. Divorce stinks. And it really hurts kids. And and then the next section there, Jesus is talking about kids. And and he's teaching. And these little children want to come to him. And and his own disciples won't let him come. His own disciples say, no, no, don't bother him. Don't bother him. He's busy right now. Jesus says, no, let him come. In fact, you you might want to let them come and you might want to watch them. Because unless your heart gets as innocent as theirs, you don't get to enter the kingdom of heaven. And and then in the next part of it, he talks about a young man who comes to him who's got lots and lots of money. He's got lots and lots of money. And he says, is there anything else? I haven't broken any of the Ten Commandments. Is there anything else I need to do to get to heaven? And Jesus says, yeah, go sell what you have and give it to the poor. And there's a verse of scripture in there in Matthew 19 that is haunting because it says, the young man went away very sad because he had great wealth. And now the wealth had him. And so in Matthew chapter 20, we move into a vineyard. We move into a situation where there's a landowner and he's got work to be done. And Jesus chose this time to tell a story about workers. And remember that this story is one that Jesus made up, okay? It's a parable. Therefore, it's a, it's, it's a made-up story, but it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning to teach a point. And so Jesus tells this story to share an important lesson with the people who were listening to him, but they were really struggling with their place in life. So let's start at the beginning of Matthew chapter 20, okay? Okay, verse one, for the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. So early morning, six o'clock in the morning, he goes down to town where people are standing around waiting to work. He hires some guys, says, come work in the vineyard, tells them what they're going to get paid, and they come and work. Then at nine o'clock in the morning, he's passing through the marketplace and saw some people still standing around doing nothing. They, they hadn't gotten hired. or whatever. And so he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard and then at noon and again at three o'clock he did the same thing finally at five o'clock that afternoon he was in town again and saw more people standing around and asked him why haven't you been working today and they replied because no one has hired us and landowner told them then go out and join the others in the vineyard so at six in the morning at nine in the morning at noon at three at five this guy just as he's going through town he sees somebody that's not working says we don't work yeah go go to work and that's this story that jesus tells 
And then he goes on to tell the rest of the story. Says that evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. And when those that hired at five o'clock were paid, each of them received a full day's wages. They'd only worked from five until dusk, but they got a full day's wages. And then those hired for, uh, first to get their pay, they assumed that they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wages. When they received that pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us, and we worked all day in the scorching heat. And the owner answered them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this worker, this last worker, the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want to do with my own money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those of you who are last now will be first then, and those who will be first will be last. Jesus is trying to teach them some important lessons about life. And about the kingdom. And, and, and so there's at least three lessons. There's probably more, but there's at least three lessons from the vineyard that I picked out. I was reading an article this week by a guy named Dennis Rainey, and he talked about these three big things, and there were things that I had noticed and underlined. And the first lesson is this. Remember, remember what you really deserve. Remember what you really deserve. Some of you ladies have attended our Jennifer Rothschild's events here. And some of you have probably even read her book, done her Bible study that's entitled, God is Just Not Fair. But a lot of people take that title, God is Just Not Fair, and they remove the comma, don't they? And in their mind, what they say is, God is just not fair. Do you see the difference in how we apply that? See, we serve a God who is just, not fair, because he's going to do the right thing. The old, one of the oldest questions in life is, why do bad things happen to good people? And, and I've thought long and hard about this, and, and, and I've come up with the perfect answer. I don't know. I don't know. The closest I could come to an answer is we live in a fallen and broken world. But, but it doesn't seem fair sometimes. It doesn't seem fair when families are devastated and destroyed by things that, that just don't seem fair. This really isn't one of those things, though. Look back at it. Look at, look at your prayer. This isn't one of those things. Because in every one of the situations, the worker got exactly what they had agreed upon before they started working. They didn't get cheated out of anything. They agreed to a wage and they, they got the wage. They got what they deserve. The problem is, here's the problem. The problem is they thought they deserved more than they agreed to. They thought they deserved more than what they got. It's this, it's this pesky idea that we're still dealing with today called entitlement. I deserve more or I deserve better. 
Mark Lowry, some of you all have probably seen Mark Lowry with the Gaithers and singing, but, uh, but he's most known for his comedy. And it is, I mean, if, you just, if you're having a bad day, I would largely suggest just to get on the internet and Google Mark Lowry and just watch until you're having a better day. Because it, it's just incredible stuff. He tells this one story. He tells this one story about when he was really young and he was, he was still in seminary. And, you know, because he could sing and he could speak and he also was really funny and could tell jokes, he was already out on the road a lot on the weekends and trying to trying to get his ministry started and trying to actually pay for college and everything. And so he tells this story about going to this little church for a Sunday night revival meeting in this little town about two hours away from where he was going to school. And in that little town was this little church that just had a few people and they called and asked if he would come and sing and tell jokes and preach. He was doing all three. And so he's like, okay. And so he goes and he drives all the way there and the, the service is over and they, they shake his hand and everybody leaves and he doesn't get paid. Not a penny. Not a penny. And he tells about getting in his car and driving back to school. Mad at God. Not mad at the people, but mad at God. God, how in the world could you let this happen to me? I poured my heart out. I did everything I knew to do. I was funny. I sang well. I think I even preached okay. I did everything. I'm on the good team. I'm one of the white hat guys. I'm, I'm with you. And he said as he's driving down this dark road in the night with the lights on, he's like, God, I can't even afford a Big Mac. How could you let this happen to me? And he said he just heard in his spirit God saying, this sure beats hell. This sure beats hell. Because that's what we deserve. That's what we do. Now, I know that sounds kind of harsh. And if you're new in the faith or maybe not even already in the faith, you're like, wow, that's tough. That's hard. But based on everything I can read in Scripture... Everything that I see in this fallen and broken world, what we all deserve is hell. I I can argue that my family didn't deserve some of the stuff that we've had to go through. I can argue strongly that my ministry friends, guys I care about, that are going through the things I was talking about earlier right now with their kids, they deserve better than that. I I can argue that some of you who are here today and are going through some stuff of your own, you're going through your own earthly hell right now, deserve better than that. But it sure beats hell. Because what the Bible tells us is that the wages of our sin is death. That's eternal death. And and then by this story that Jesus was telling about, it was all about wages. It, it, It was all about what these guys worked for and thought they worked for and thought they deserved. But what the Bible tells us is that the wages, the things that we earn by what we do, the wages of our sin is death. But then there's that that wonderful three-letter word, but. And Paul said the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That was one of those amen moments, by the way. Just, 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 not because I said it, because Paul did. God inspired it. 
Don't miss that. Because Romans 6.23, wages are what we earn. A gift is free. What do you do to get a birthday gift every year? You continue breathing for 365 more days. And people that love you because you did things for them, you were nice to them, or you're just in their family, and they love the fact that you kept breathing for 365 more days, they give you a gift. You didn't earn it. You just stayed alive. But the wages of your sin is death. But that free gift from God is eternal life. And that's something to be treasured. That's good news. So first lesson from the parable, from the vineyard, is remember what you really deserve. The second lesson is this. Envy, envy begins when we compare ourselves to anyone but Christ. See, these men in this story were struggling because they envied what the other men got. We've never done that, right? I, none of us ever have done that, right? <laughs> Some of you may have already done it this morning when you didn't get almonds. <laughs> but they got what they deserved. A lot of you guys read C.S. Lewis' books. And he is such a, was such a great thinker and a writer. And, and I don't have the quote exactly right. I'll paraphrase it. But, but C.S. Lewis wrote, he said, What people want to say is that there is no right or wrong. There's no absolutes anymore. There is no right or wrong. But if you have ever gotten upset with someone for what they did, then by you being upset, you are acknowledging an innate understanding of right and wrong because you think the other person did wrong. So you can't say, well, I'm really mad because of what he did or she did or I didn't get this. And say, but there are no absolutes. No, you, you established absolutes when you got upset. You establish the belief in right and wrong when you get upset over things that happen that are outside of your control. Uh, this is why I'm, I'm not a fan at all of participation trophies. I, I want to encourage kids. I want to help kids. I want to teach kids. But uh, participation trophies just teach kids that all of life is the same, that everybody's equal. And when are they going to learn? Life's not fair always. We need to learn that we don't always win in this life. That's part of it. And the sports is just a microcosm of it that really is insignificant. Because we don't always win in any part of our life, do we? Do you always win at work? Do things always go the way you expect there? What about in your relationships? Oh, my goodness. We don't always, and so we, sometime in life, and the better, the earlier the better, we've got to learn that we don't always win. We've also got to learn to, to celebrate when we do, but still be humble about it. It's great when you win. It's great when you get a raise at work. It's great when things go well wherever or whatever. It's great, so celebrate, but be humble about it. And here's one of the biggest lessons that I think we need to help our kids and our world understand is we need to learn to celebrate and congratulate our friends when they win and they get the trophy. We need to be able to celebrate that. And, and, and in this world where I don't, I didn't get what I deserve, this envy, uh, 
really kicks in as soon as we start comparing ourselves. And I know a lot of men that might say, well, uh, I'm better than the guy down the street uh, because I know that that he's cheating on his wife or has a lot. Or ladies might say, I'm better than the lady that I know down the street because she just drinks away her paycheck and doesn't take care of the house and, and does all these other things, whatever. Make your list, whatever they are. But as soon as we start playing the comparison game with anyone other than Jesus Christ, we're going down a bad road because we got to remember what we really deserve. And envy causes us to think, well, I deserve better than that other person. Somehow I'm better than they are in, in, in some level, which takes us to the third important lesson here. We need to learn that we must ultimately trust what the master says because he knows what's right Uh, did any of your parents did any of your parents ever say because i said so (laughs) and i got some participation everybody just woke up didn't that tick you off didn't that just tick you off when your parents said because i said so how many of you said it to your kids You passed it on. (laughs) And guess how they felt about it. (laughs) But don't worry, because they'll say it to theirs too. There is that element in life that we have to understand, that there are always people that know more about a situation than we do, and they can't share everything about it, mainly a lot of times because we won't understand it. A lot of times when our parents were telling us at a a young age, because I said so, it it was not because they were trying to be a bully or whatever. They knew we couldn't understand or comprehend the situation or the situation was dangerous and something had to happen right now and just do what I said. Just do what I said. And we did the same thing. And our kids will do the same thing because there are these certain times in life where there is an authority person in the situation that just knows more and has to make that decision. And God says, I'm going to give you this. And here's, I said so. So just follow it. Just live by it. And so in the situation that Jesus told, the master, it's the master's money, it's the landowner's money, he can do whatever, and whatever he wants to do with it, and we just need to trust that that person knows what they're talking about. Now here's where this gets really important and really serious. I choose to believe and to trust that God is better at being God than I would be. I thought there'd probably be at least one amen there. Uh, There should have been. You better hope he is. Because when I look at life, when I look at situations, when I see some of the stuff that goes on in the world today, there are some people that... Because I'm human and not God, the human side of me would cast that person directly into hell. And I have to trust that God is God. And he's a lot better at it than I would ever be. The critical question here is, do you know and believe God? 
do you know and believe and trust God? Do you believe the Bible? See, if you can't get past those first four words in the Bible, in the beginning, God, there's a whole bunch of stuff coming right after that you're really going to struggle with. We're going to deal with some of it starting next week in a new series called Epic that's all about the book of Genesis. No, no matter, here, here's what we got to understand. This, this story that Jesus told, this is really not about how much the workers got paid. That's, that's not what the story's about. It's really a story about salvation that Jesus was telling. He's teaching a lesson about salvation. That no matter how long, no matter how long you have been a follower of Jesus Christ, you're no better than that person that just chose to follow him. No matter how long you have chosen to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're no better than that person who hasn't chosen yet to follow him or maybe never will. You're no better a person than they are because we all deserve the same thing. But what is important is that God so loved the world that he chose to give his only son so that anyone... Anyone who accepts him may have eternal life. Even if it's at 9 o'clock when you started at 6. Or if it's at noon. Or at 3. Or at 5. Or just before they die. Or he comes back. Our decision to choose Jesus doesn't make us better than those who haven't yet. It should cause us to have compassion and love for them and to go after them, not to be better than them. That kid on the playground, (laughs) that kid on the playground when we're picking up teams, that kid on the playground who's chosen last for the team is still so excited that he made the team. That he got chosen. The only thing in question is, do you trust the master enough to really trust the master? Peter Ustinov said, life is unfair. Life is unfair. But remember, sometimes it's unfair in your favor. Sometimes you get what you don't deserve. Like when you get to go to heaven and you really deserve hell. Let me finish up really quick. I'm going to give you homework today. I want to give you some homework. Um, I read another piece from a preacher named Matt McCraw, and he gave these three homework assignments. I said, I got to use these. Number one, here's the assignment. Okay, you can wait and either screenshot them, write them down, remember what it. Number one, here's the first thing homework assignment make a list of all the things that God owes you. finished number two make a list of all that you owe God that'll take a little longer and number three this week make a commitment to celebrate grace and decide how you're going to do that See, we could all tell our own version and experience of this parable. We we know people who, in our not-so-humble opinion, neither earn nor deserve what they got. They got a job they didn't earn or deserve, a promotion, a raise, recognition, happiness, success, whatever. That We worked longer and tried harder, and it seems like it made no difference. 
More often than not, we view the world and ourselves and others through these lenses of fairness rather than grace. The exact opposite of how God views us and views our lives. See, the bottom line is the grace of God. Get this now. The grace of God flows freely out of the unfairness of God. Did you get that? The grace of God flows freely out of the unfairness of God. And it sure beats hell. Would you guys stand? Maybe you're here today and this week, this month, this last two years, all the kinds of stuff that's going on, you just feel like you've gotten your teeth kicked in over and over and over again, and it just doesn't seem fair. I want to assure you there's a God that loves you. There's a God that loves you and allowed his son to die for you. And, he, and, and he's willing He's willing to wrap his arms around you. And he does it through other people who are followers and will encourage you and walk journeys with you. And so maybe today you just need someone to pray with you and encourage you that way in a journey. And Jason's down here, but also Dennis and Bobby. We've got others around that would gladly come and encourage you. Maybe today you've got some questions about what it really means to surrender and let Jesus Christ be Lord and Savior of your life. While we sing this song, why don't you make that decision to allow Jesus to be your Savior and make a commitment to make Him the Lord of your life. If you're ready to do that, why don't you come down here and see Jason as we sing together.
If this is your first time with us, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. I hope you get some chocolate on the way out. Uh, we've also got a gift for you uh, at the I'm New Wall out in the lobby. See Brett and his team out there. Two things really quick that are coming up in about a couple of weeks. Uh, two weeks from tomorrow will be our Pathways for the month of September. And this month it is actually on Monday night, September 20th. And you can already sign up for that online or you can stop out uh, in the Next Step room out here off the lobby and they can help you get signed up for that. And then also on the Saturday night, the last Saturday night of the month, I think it's the 25th, uh, our Marriage Ministries is having another date night. It'll be here uh, and there'll be some videos, uh, some great teaching times and just times of fellowship. Uh, And so you can get signed up for that. Watch for more information on that. Uh, That's coming up uh, about three weekends from now. So thanks for being here today. Uh, Let's love God, love people. Let's go change the world. Have an awesome week, you guys. Yes.